desires and missions of our hearts together, I know that uh, to see people come to know the Lord. And uh, that's why you witness and share what Jesus has done for you and why you tell others about the Lord and why you pray for opportunities that that God give you an opportunity to to share. And um, let's, let's do that. But the Another additional desire for me, and it's been a part of my psyche for a long time, and that's to see people uh, not just come to know the truth or know about the truth, but to be impacted by the truth and to be influenced by the truth, but to come under its persuasion. yesterday in the Bible study that we're doing on 1 Corinthians on Saturday mornings. Um, you know, that it's time that we we hear teaching and preaching and we don't just let that be the end goal. Alright, we've heard the message today. We go home and it never impacts Last night, Pete and I, someone paid our way. We went up to Gardendale First Baptist to the men's steak night. And uh, we went to, uh, well, since Rhoda's out of town, it was nice to get a nice meal. Salad, bread roll, baked potato, baked beans, a steak this big. That big. No wonder I don't feel well today. <laughs> but we went to hear Jeremiah Castile preach. And he preached. He wasn't playing no games either. Of course, he taught a lot of, told a lot of stories from Paul, Paul Bryant's day. Stuff in the NFL and, and God, God stories throughout, and some ins- inspiring things for me. The reason I'm telling you that is because I went home last night, and I just uh, I went home between 9:30 and 10. I just sat there and chewed on what he said. I went back and reflected and rethought, and I I went over the message. I went over his point. In my mind, as I was finishing to come and preach today, of what he said, and uh, some other things that uh, were even more impactful to me than even what he said. He said them, but they weren't maybe necessarily his main points, but it was like, oh, whoa, that was from me. We've got to get to the place. And I'm not. I'm so glad Lynn's here today that he testified. Y'all hear that testimony? But that where the truth that he has come to and God has opened his eyes to and he's received it and walking in it, isn't it glorious? But yet that it will come to a man, it will come to a woman much earlier in the years that it took. I'm not, I'm not trying to be demeaning here at all. I praise God for what God's working in Lynn. 
I'm just saying. God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge. And that doesn't mean just know the truth. It means where the truth is literally impressed upon your heart and it is impacting your life and it is changing you and it is bringing you the peace that you need and the, and the hope that you have and the fire that's in your soul and it's changing your character and it's changing your na- nature and it's changing, I mean, where, where the Word of God literally does great things in our lives. That's what I'm talking about. That's the desire of my heart. God has given me the privilege to do that here for a lot of years now. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful you're here today. And uh, with that said, if you if you got a Bible, it'll be on the screen. Um, we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. And uh, in preparation for our time around the table of the Lord, before we go downstairs and meet around the table. Um, I want you to go there and let's look at, at something that the Lord has for us today. First Timothy chapter 2. And uh, we're going to begin in verse 1. Verses 1 to 6. And uh, I'm only allowed one closing today. I don't know, I'm hot. Are y'all hot? Scripture says here, first of all, I, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. Whatever the need is, whatever the situation's about, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Godliness is a word there and it just simply means being well devoted to God. Well devoted to God. This is good and it's acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved. If you have a Bible and you actually have a, a way that you can mark in your Bible, underline the words all men. There are many, I, let me just say, we believe the Scripture's teaching that Christ died for all men, all tribes, all nations, all peoples. He's desiring all to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, not just some. He didn't just die for the elect. He died for everybody. Okay? He desires all men to be saved. That's the heart of the Father. And not just that, but they would come to the knowledge of the truth. Is the truth needed today? Because 
everything is relative. Everything is situational. And I would say there are some times that situational, yeah, there are some situations that, yeah, it may not be as black and white as we'd like it to be, but there are some situations where it's very black and white and you know right from wrong. Okay? But everything's relative. Not, hopefully not among you or among us. Everybody lives in a reality of truth, but no one wants to face truth. And we need the truth. By the way, I read somewhere the truth will set you free. He desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, the impaction of the truth upon our lives. For there is. Well, let's get to the truth. There is one God. There is one mediator also between God and men. Man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. The testimony given at the proper time. I want to talk about this truth right here. This one we're talking about. that we find right here, these statements. And first and foremost, all of those that reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. There is one God, His name is Yahweh, and it's not Allah, and it's not any other Brahmin God or any other Hindu God or any other New Age God that's out there. Praise the Lord, there's one God. Our Father. There is one mediator. There are not two, there are not five, there are not ten ways to God. There's only one mediator between God and men. Now tell me, why do you need a mediator? Do you even know what a mediator is? So talk to me. Somebody goes between? For what reason? To get two together, to get people or teams or parties that are in opposition to do what? To come together to be reconciled, to be okay? Someone's got to mediate. And it ain't saints. You can't, you can pray all the saints you want to. There's only one mediator between God and men. And it ain't angels. You can be touched by an angel all you want. Praise God. Thank God for angels. But there is only one mediator. And it ain't a man. And it ain't priests. And it is not Mary. There is one mediator between God and men. Why do we why do we even need a mediator? Why do we even need a mediator? There's a great gulf between God and men. Matter of fact, there's a great war between God and men. 
Some of you have relatives, loved ones, that are fighting God. Maybe someone's here has been fighting God. There's one mediator between God and men. And it's man. Man? The word here for man, the man, the is not even in the Greek Bible. It's just man. But which one? Who? Mankind. It's, it's, it's Jesus Christ. God himself. Who's come to be our mediator. To settle things for us. Between him and me. Between him and you. Between him and them. <laughs> to get it settled. You live in America. You live in a very pluralistic society. For most people out here in Helena, Alabaster, Calera, Maylene, Pelham, you know what they believe? You know what a lot of these people believe? People you work with, Danny's told me about some. Others, you know. And they believe there are multiple ways to God or to Godhood. By the way, does anyone here believe this truth, this scripture right here? You're probably going to pay a price for that. Because what we teach here and what you're believing, what you're hearing, doesn't fit the, the, the moral. Not even among some Christian, Christian groups. Praise God. How many of you would love to see men come to be saved? Would you pray, just take 30 seconds. Lord, set our church on fire to win souls for Christ, to see people saved. Would you do that right now? Give us souls. Give us souls, Lord. Help us to not reach people. they got to be saved. They're going to perish. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord. Now, take another 30 seconds and pray that we and them would become deeply impacted by the truth. Now, go. Yes, Lord. I love you. Okay? Other people, Lord, just only come to know you. Don't be so influenced by the truth. Lord, grant it to you. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Praise you, Father. In the name of Jesus. There is one God. There is one mediator between God and men. And this man, the God-man, Christ Jesus, did something. Verse 6, he, he did what? What did he do in verse 6? First of all, he gave himself. He gave. Voluntarily, I'll do this, Father. I'll fulfill your plan. I'll be willing to go down to identify with them, become their high priest. He gave, and then the next word, he gave what? Himself. He gave himself. He gave himself. 
going to repeat it here. The Lord has told us what to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Is that correct? And then to do what? To love our neighbor as, our, as ourselves. But we know what Jesus did. He loved us and He loved the world more than Himself. So He gave Himself as a ransom. A ransom. And He did it for a few. He did it for who? A ransom for all. Anybody know what a ransom is? What is a ransom? Somebody demanded some kind of payment. Somebody demanded something. God and the one who demanded us through the law of God and he demanded oh my soul and then this concluding statement is this he became he is the testimony given at the proper time he could not be the mediator nor the ransom without being the testimony I want us to focus in a moment on the testimony given at the proper time. So, you got your Bibles? Got a, got a pen and paper? Uh, we're, uh, I want you to go on a journey with me. Okay? And we're going to begin in the book of Exodus, and we're not going to look at all the scriptures that deal with this, but just some. Um, hallelujah. All right? Write this down, jot it down. Let's go to Exodus 25, Exodus chapter 25, verses 21 and 22. Let's go go there, Exodus 25. What do you find? Tell me when you get there. Exodus chapter 25, verse 20 and 21 and 22. Here's what it says. Uh, you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put put what? You shall put the what? Which I will give to you. Okay. There I will do what? There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat the lid on top of the ark from between the two chariot beings the two angels that are established on top of the ark which are upon the ark of the, the testimony I will speak to you about all that I will give you in commandment for the sons of Israel when I go back to verse 21 verse 21 says you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark and in the ark in the ark you shall put the what? You shall put the testimony. Underline that. It's very important. Flip over to chapter 31. Chapter 31, verse 18. Chapter 31, verse 18. How many of you ever read the book of Exodus?
verse 18, when he had finished speaking with him upon Mount Sinai, uh, he gave Moses, this is the Lord Jesus Christ, he gave Moses the two tablets of the what? Of the, of the what? Testimony. Tablets of stone written. You read the rest? Yes. Written by the finger of God. God carved out the stones. God wrote on the stones. And they are called the testimony. After Moses comes down the mountain, when he breaks them, when he sees when he smashes the stones, God has him be cut out the stones. He goes back up on the mountain, and guess what? God gives him the same thing again, and God writes it by the finger of God. The finger of God is the Holy Spirit, by the way. And he writes it, he writes it on, and engraves it on tablets of stone. Go to chapter 32, 32. And in chapter 32, we're going to look at verses 15 and 16. And all is good to see it in your own Bible. 15 and 16, Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets which were written on both sides. They were written on one side and the other. The tablets were the tablets were what? Let that sink in. The tablets were God's word. And the writing was God's writing engraved on the tablets. So he went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony. How about chapter 38? Chapter 38, we're going to look at verse 21. Chapter 38, verse 21. And here's verse 21. Verse 21 is, this is the number of the things, and we're not going to pay attention to any of that, because we're not talking about that in that chapter. This is the number of the things for the tabernacle. The tabernacle, the tabernacle of the what? The testimony, as they were numbered according to the command of Moses. For the service of the Levites, for the hand of the Dithamar, son of Aaron, the priest. That's right. What I want to emphasize is that the, the testimony was put where? Into a box called the Ark with the mercy seat on the top, and the Ark was placed where? In the tabernacle, and the tabernacle came to be known as what? On this verse. The tabernacle came to be known as what? The tabernacle of the testimony. Does anybody know who, what this ark and in what this tabernacle pictures? I'm so glad we're doing this today. Well, before we get there, because that's New Covenant and it's good stuff, the tabernacle is, is known as the tabernacle of the testimony. The testimony is the Word of God, correct? Written by the, it's the work of God, written by the finger of God. 
and it's put in this box, the ark. And where does God meet us? He meets us where? Even even today in the New Testament, where does God meet us? He meets us at the mercy seat. Okay? At the seat and place of mercy in the heavenly realms. So this is a picture in the old days of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The tabernacle always represents the Messiah. It represents God in the midst. It represents Jesus Christ himself. And and he is the Word of God. Is that correct? Yes. So, glad to be able to to teach this today. Okay? Because what do we know? What truth do we know that we need to be impacted by? That there is one God. That there is one mediator between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus. And that he is a ransom for all the testimony given, born at the proper time. Okay? And he could not be, let this sink in again, he could not be the mediator between God and men, and he could not be the ransom for men without being the testimony. Well, what do you mean? I thought the testimony was the word of God written down on tablets of stone. Yes! But Jesus Christ is the testimony. He is the Word of God. He is the kind of life God is wanting us to live. Is that correct? He is the personification of what was written down on the stones. So did they have Jesus Christ among them? (laughs) Did they have the angel of his presence with them? And the angel of his presence is the Holy Spirit. Mark that one down. So was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit engaged with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt? (laughs) Let this sink in. If Jesus Christ failed in one point of the Ten Commandments, could he have been our mediator? If he failed in one point of the Ten Commandments, could he have been a ransom for us? No way. But here he is, the God himself who could not fail, Jesus the Messiah, the one sent among them, and he dwelt, the Bible says he tabernacled among them, and all all of a sudden, when you jump all the way to the future and you get in John's Gospel, and the Bible says that the Lord became flesh and did what? Tabernacled among them. Oh, this is so fantastic. Jesus was highly involved. Now, let's go here. Go to, uh, that's a quick trip through the book of Exodus. Can I encourage you? I, I did this for an eighth grade class at Kingwood years ago. You need to read and know the Pentateuch. Y'all say Pentateuch. Ask your neighbor if he knows what the Pentateuch is. That's a big fancy word, and it simply means, you know, the big five. Okay, Pente in Greek. And it just, you need to know the first five books of the Bible. If you want to understand the rest of the Bible, how about reading the first five books? Lord, help me 
message today in a way that will be an encouragement to them and a challenge to them. Not shaming, not putting down, not, Lord, help me to where they will want to receive your word. Lord, impact us by your truth. Help us to realize who we're serving today. Who you are. So we go to, we go to, uh, let's do this one. How about Psalm 19 and verse 7? Now, back when I was a child, we had all these songs and choruses from the Psalms and other verses, but they were all done in the King James Version. And, uh, of course, I doubt there's one King James, maybe one or two King James Versions here today. But um, we used to sing in verse 6, I think, the law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. Verse 7. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the sinful. How many of you would like to be wise? This is going to sound harsh, and I don't mean it to be. It's just a statement of fact in the world we live in today. Most of the young people, not here, most of the young people, most of the Generation Z, let's go up, X, Y, most of, most of the generations, maybe middle-aged today, they're simpletons, heartbreaking. And they've got more knowledge and more information at their disposal, and they have no wisdom. Am I telling a lie? Come on, talk to me. Help me. I wouldn't use that approach with them if I was talking to them. I, you know, our hearts for them. We want them to see them rescued, renewed, etc. The 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 what? The what? The testimony of the Lord is what? Say it again. Sure. on it, you can bank on it, it ain't going away, it'll change your life. The testimony of the Lord is sure, doing what? Making wise the simple, teaching us with the first four commandments, and on those tablets of stone written on both sides, by the finger of God, the work of God, the word of God, and how that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then how that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. Would that alone transform our society? Now, if Jesus Christ is the personification of the testimony, then Jesus, (laughs) Jesus is sure. (laughs) He makes wise the simple. Come on. Why? Because he is the testimony that was born or given at the proper time. God knew exactly when to send him. God knew that we needed more than something on tablets of stone. He knew we needed to see this lived out in a life, and that man's life was who? Jesus Christ. We needed to see that. That's why the early church in those days, they were called, they weren't called Christians at first. They were called members of the way. The way. 
Jesus Christ says what? I am the way. The way of what? Of how to live. Not just the way to the Father. The way of how to live. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the testimony. And I am the life. Come on, do you know who you're serving? Let's get rooted. Let's get rooted in the Old Testament. Let's get rooted in the in the uh, Pentateuch, those first five books. And that help us explain, help us understand some things, as Paul does when we get to the uh, to the New Covenant Scriptures. Oh, man. Let me ask you, do you know who you're serving? Let me ask you today, my family, brothers and sisters, did you worship God in a way that was worthy of Him today? talking about in this place. Yes, we're going to worship later on. Yes, we're going to worship tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. But together, when you came here, did you worship him the way he deserves? Sure, making wise the simple. Go to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. In Psalm 78, verses 5 and 7, jot it down or go to it in your own Bible so you can see it. You see what you can take a photographic picture of it in your own mind or from your own Bible. And uh, in Psalm 78, verses 5 to 7, so I've turned to it, but I'll also read off the screen. Do you understand why I asked you to turn to it? This, if you don't, just shake your head no. Why would I ask you to turn to it? Right, so you can become familiar with your own scripture when you open it up and you, you see it on the page, you see where it's at, and I'm just telling you, you're going to receive more out of it than if you just watch it on the screen. Trust me. Does anybody here trust me? After 35 years, does anybody here trust me? I'm not perfect. It is time that we not just see people saved, but we see us become impacted by the truth. God, change our lives. Let the testimony be lived out in us. What happened to the children of Israel in the old days? And they had God the Father. And they had God the Son. And they had God the Holy Spirit with them. Seventy-seven times the Holy Spirit's mentioned in the Old Testament. Seven times he's mentioned as the presence of the angel of the Lord. They had everything available to them except it written on their hearts. Let me ask you today, do we have, what do we have available to us in this generation right now? Us, us believers. Come on. To live a victorious, Christian, successful life. Do you have God the Father with you? How about God the Son? Do you have God the Holy Spirit? Are you in them? Are they in you? Do you have the Word? Here's what he said in Psalm 78. For he established, he established a what? A testimony in Jacob. 
and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children that the generation... By the way, stop before we get there. You know what you ought to do? And I'm encouraging those of you that have children here. Get out the Ten Commandments and drill it into them. Get it to memorize them. Let me pull a Chris here. For he established a testimony in Jacob. He appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children and what's next? That they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Well, there's a comma there. It's really worth reading at the end. It's going on. about Psalm 119, verse 88. Psalm 119, verse 88. And so what does that say? I'll let you read it. Cedarville College and sent evangelistic teams out to other Christian colleges. Come on, isn't it exciting? Revive us, oh God, revive us here at Cornerstone. Not just revive us, restore us, reform us, oh Lord. Somebody left this church years ago, dear friends of mine still. So we can't go there anymore because why? Because you just spoon feed the people. Now, what do you think they meant by that? What good is it if you come in here, and I'm glad you come, and I'm glad you want to come, and I'm glad you're hungry for the Word, but you're not in it during the week? Tim will explain it to us. He'll, he'll, he'll give it to us. I pray and seek God what to give you. But what good is it if you're not reading the Word during the week? You're not in the Word. You're not seeking God yourself. Just say it, revive me. Revive me. Revive me. 
that I may do what? Keep the testimony of your mouth. If he made Jesus the personification of the testimony, guess who's the testimony today? Somebody has got to show this world, the people, our loved ones and friends as well, those we work with wherever in the neighborhood. We've got to show them the life. The life. You know what this you know what this law does? It makes you different and distinct from everybody else on the face of the earth. done. We're going to finish. It's a good thing we eat today here because, and I'm only going to close once, but I get I get a long time before I get to it. I'm I just having fun. Is it alright to have fun? So, let's go to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31. This is what he tells Jeremiah 31. He tells this wonderful news to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And the reason he distinguishes them both is because the kingdom split apart. Ten tribes went to become known as the house of Israel, and two became known as the house of Judah. And so he gives them a word here to the prophet. And here's the word. Verse 31. Hope you're looking at it. I got it to my Bible, but I'll read it off the screen as well. And it says, Behold, behold, days are coming. Does anybody believe this? Days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now I want you to stop a moment. See that word new? It, if you see it, say, it doesn't mean brand new. It doesn't mean totally different. It means new in quality. It means renewed. It means fresh. He's not making a new, brand new covenant. He's making something fresh, something qualitative, more quality than it was. It's not something completely brand new. Y'all with me? He said, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Now, why would he take them by the hand? Because they were just children. He was treating them as children. What do you do with children? You take them by the hand. And he was leading them out. So I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. It was my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them. So here he's not even using the parent-child symbolism. He's using the husband-wife symbolism. Took her by the hand and led her out, declares the Lord. Keep going. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, 
declares the Lord. I will put my law. What is, my, what is his law? It's the testimony. I will put my law where? Someone say it. Within them. And I'm going to put it where? On their heart. And I will what? Write it. And I will, I will be their God. And they shall be my people. They will not teach again. They won't have to. Each man is neighbor and each man is brother saying, Know the Lord, for they not just know God. Oh, I know him. No, know him. Not just know about his works, know his ways. Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Shout to the Lord. You say, what does this have to do with us? He's talking to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Well, that was a great question. Because I read in the book of Hebrews, where, where the writer of Hebrews takes this scripture and applies it to all of us who have joined, joined in with Israel, who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. And he applies this to you and to me. And now he has taken the testimony and he's done what? He's put it where? He's put it in our hearts. He's put, it in, he's put it in our minds. He's written it there. Oh, this is, this is like, oh, this is like big time stuff right here. Well, what do you mean? How did he do that? This is how he did it. When you, when you received the Lord Jesus Christ, number one, did he receive you? He received us. And when we received the Lord Jesus Christ, what happened? Did he come into our lives? You mean the testimony came into our lives? Do you realize, I know you do, that Jesus Christ is the lawgiver? He is the lawgiver. There has to be a standard of right and wrong. There has to be a standard of how we live. There has to be. Praise God, he made one. <laughs> and it makes wise the simple. He himself, can I tell you what? The lawgiver came inside to live in my heart, to live in my life and in yours if you know him. He's not just the law giver, he is also what? He's the law observer. He's the law fulfiller. He has come in to live within us, the testimony. Now guess what? He's not just the law observer and the law fulfiller. He's not just the law giver. He's the law satisfier. He has come in. He has taken occupancy in my life and in our lives today. And he has fulfilled everything that the law demanded, that God required. That's why we're celebrating this today. This is why Jesus Christ gets to be the mediator. This is why Jesus Christ gets to be the ransom. Because he is the testimony that was born at the proper time. And now we are the testimony. He has come to live with him. You know what? Your life is testifying something every day, wherever you go, wherever you're around. You are testifying. Now, you can just say this. I'm a testimony. I'm a testimony. Now, what I really wanted to do break, we would come back in for another hour, because I really want to teach Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 again, but that's the teacher part of me, because 
There, I will tell you this. There is something in Romans chapter 7 that really strikes me. Has, does anybody here have a conflict with uh, living for God and living for the flesh and living for God and living for the flesh? Anybody? Well, he makes clear absolutely in that. And, and so what? When you sin and when you fall, what have you, what have you felt? You felt condemnation. You felt whatever, as Lynn is testifying here earlier. And you don't feel like you ever measure up. And that's why he says in this thing, you know what? The law is spiritual. The law is good. The law is wonderful. But I am, I am a flesh. I'm made of flesh. Matter of fact, he says, it's not really me that's doing this because with my mind and with my inner man, I joyfully concur with the law of God. But there's something else in my body that I don't like, and that thing is called what? Sin. There's this other law in the members of my body, and it's called sin. So is there any hope? And of course he says because if you went back to chapter 6, on the practice, on the legal side of things, we have a standing before God where Jesus Christ, in our place, died to sin. But he also died to the law. Now, this is crazy. He died to the law so we could die to the law, but so that the law could be fulfilled. Wait a minute. We died to the law, but he wants the law fulfilled. Of course well, who's the answer for all of this? And what does he say at the end of chapter 7? He says, wretched, wretched man that I am. You ever felt that way? A lot of part of your life. Wretched man that I am. Who's going to deliver me from this body dominated by sin? Well, I'll tell you, Jesus Christ. He not only, we acknowledge it legally at his death, because his death became mine. And so guess what? I died to sin when he did. Shout to the Lord. But we needed even more than that. What are you talking about? Well, this thing called the law, because you know what? The, the law will do some things, and it will do this for your children. It will produce in them, sin will produce in them, sinning of every kind. But sin will use the law to produce sinning in them of every kind. Did I lose you? Why do you want them to know the Ten Commandments? So they'll realize they're sinners. Because the sin nature within them will take the law and will use it against them and it will produce sinning of every kind. But you're saying, I don't want them to sin. That's right. That's why the law points to a Savior. And sin will also produce death in our lives. It will prove, and it will use the law to prove and bring us unto death. I'm sorry, I'm so excited about these wonderful truths that legally this has happened, but can I tell you now, practically through Jesus Christ, because of his death, burial, and his resurrection, now the Holy Spirit's come to me, and guess what? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And I don't care how many times you sin. There's no condemnation. I, mean, I do care how much you sin. Don't do it. <laughs> Which is crazy, because what does he say there? He says, do the law, but yet I want the law. Because he says by the end of uh, chapter 7, verse 26, he says, you know what? In I, I, with my mind, with my inner man, I am serving the law of God. 
But with my flesh, I'm serving sin. So what's the answer? Jesus Christ, no condemnation in him, so we'll go ahead and receive that. And then number two, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And that's it. So what, what's the whole challenge for us now then? Guess what? As I live by the Spirit of God, as I live, guess what? The law of God's going to be lived out in my life, and I don't have to worry about the particulars of the law of God. I get to live by the Holy Spirit, and the love of God is going to be flowing through my life toward God. The love of God's going to be flowing through my life toward others, and Jane's going to cook some more banana puddings and bring it to me, and Mary bring it to us, because she loves her pastor. It was the love of God in Jane toward Kelly's family to take a banana pudding with me. Come on. That's what I love about this great all this Bible stuff you got. Christianity is not a thinking man's religion. Are you kidding me? i got to stop. I don't want to stop. I just want to keep teaching. That's just my... I just want to keep pouring it out and giving it. I just want to... If you'll receive it. Anyway. The desire of our hearts, I hope, is to see what all men to be saved. That's why we support missions. I hope you gave today toward getting the Bibles out through Gideon's if you haven't given already. And we want to see what all men to be impacted by the truth. i got to tell you, I've already told Lynn, he gets to preach sometimes if he wants to, because I've seen what God's been working in him the past year, and the light's coming on, ding, 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 and it's just marvelous. Come on. Isn't it exciting? I'm just telling you, to be impacted by the truth people that you're ministering to and the gals you're talking about, and I'm just telling you how marvelous and you're going you're to see fruit. The guys that, that produce sports that Daniel's working with, and you're going to see you know, you, you know why he's involved in that? To influence men! Young men! For the truth! Isn't that exciting? Come on. Aaron staff, giving hands, ministry, whatever, youth, Bible studies we're having at nights, kingdom men to be impacted by the truth. Our lives changed Jesus could not have been our mediator, nor the ransom, if he was not the testimony born, given at the proper time. Now you are that. Show me the life, and I'll show you the light. That's what people need, the light. Well, I'm burning up. You guys must be burning up. You're probably dying of thirst and everything. Your stomach's growling, I can hear it. this help anybody today? I want you to know I love you guys. You guys. You all. Holy Spirit and His service holy cause. And he 
is coming. If you've got a few more moments, we'll gather around the table of the Lord and we'll celebrate His death and remember Him. And then we'll go downstairs and we'll bite together. But if you didn't bring anything, stay anyway. We'll see how the Lord takes it all out. Alright. I encourage you to get on your feet and thank you for letting